Well, good morning, good day, good evening, whenever you are listening. My name is Jill, and these are Jill's Journals Out Loud. And this podcast is meant to be for uh, Tuesday, I believe it will be July, uh, June 24, June, July, January, you know, one of those J months, uh, January 24th. 2023. I say that because I am still coming to you from out in the middle of nowhere, sort of close to Yuma in the middle of a great big windstorm. So who knows what the uploading will be like in the coming day. So with that, we're just going to take a deep breath and we're just going to do a couple things before we launch into the topic for the day, which is a big one, as you saw from the title. So the first thing I want to say is I'm on a different setup of, I downloaded a different uh, voice audio recording program, and I'm on a microphone I used to use. So we're going to see if I can get it all put together and uploaded the way I have been on the phone. And so uh, the questions I have is, if there's any uh, improvement in the audio level and or the uh, audio quality. So I've got it the gain up a little bit to see if it will be a little bit louder. I know it's coming through in some ways a little too quietly, but then I don't know if there's too much feedback. So that's the first thing. Comments appreciated, just as I try to see if I can fine-tune some of this stuff. The second thing is, is I wanted to say how awesome it was on Friday. I did a podcast for members about remembering the radio, and I asked you all to post your songs and then uh, talk about, you know, what it was for you that really resonated within that song. And I have to tell you, I I didn't write a lot of comments because I didn't want to get involved in the commentary that was going on between you all, which I love to see you guys connecting with each other online. And also, I kind of went down the rabbit hole. I enjoyed listening to the songs that everybody had posted. And of course, they were almost all throwbacks, right, to days gone by. And of course, I then became wandering down a rabbit hole. You know how that goes. So it'll be interesting to see what automatically pops up in my YouTube feed at this point in time. But it was very enjoyable and appreciated from my side of the uh, production studio here. So I'm glad that you guys did it. If you haven't done it yet and you are a member, uh, I encourage you to go through and read the comments and add your song. And also, if you're not a member, I encourage you to think about joining because that's where you can get involved at more at the community level and the commentary level. I've just, it's been my experience, if you're not invested in some way, shape, or form, the comments just aren't as meaningful. I find that once people are invested, the quality of communication actually becomes communication and not just sort of a drive-by situation where people are posting things without any kind of uh, investment or connection to the whole process. They might hear one thing, uh, you know, unload whatever thing that they want to share with the world that's completely unrelated to what we're trying to achieve here. And then just keep on driving by. So uh, I have been really pleased with the quality of people who are signing up. And I encourage those of you who like what you're hearing in any way, shape, or form to join us because uh, that part, the part behind the paid wall, is getting kind of cool. So with that, thank you. And let's just launch in. So uh, one of the things that I will never stop doing apparently is, you know, self-reflecting, which is why it's called Jill's Journals because... 
it's only taken me, you know, 40 some odd years to get the courage to really start to talk about some of the real stuff that I put in my journals. And it really tracks along two lines for me. One is just core purging. So I usually, um, I primarily use the journaling process to kind of purge out the noise in my head. Uh, Instead of dumping it on people or on social media, I just write out all the stuff that's brewing in me and I'm thinking about and that's capturing my attention and my focus and purging it out. So I recommend that a lot and I also recommend that it be in the cheapest journal you can find. I just went out and got a a new one. I go through about uh, one every two months. Uh, the $2 spiral notebooks, because you don't want to have that conversation about, oh, you know, this is a really nice journal. I don't want to just, you know, put, I went to the grocery store in here today. So I believe it needs to be a cheap journal. The purging journal needs to be a cheap journal, and it needs to be extremely private, because the minute you even remotely think somebody else might be looking at it, you start to edit yourself. And the whole point and purpose of the journaling process is to just get it out. Because when you get all the crap out that's sort of taking up your head space, your heart space, your stress space, then you can let in the other stuff. And that's really, for me, the most powerful point of the second part is where I can dive into the kind of thinking that makes me happy and that's the kind of thinking for me that is humongous and abstract and interconnected Uh, and it's really for me and my process has uh, become something I can't articulate it doesn't have words anymore usually it just has a feeling Uh, and so that's what I really wanted to try and dial back because I've been on this thing for a long time where Uh, I keep talking about, you know, scaling back the masculine aspect and refocusing on the feminine, and I never do it. So I'm sure some of you may have noticed that. But anyways, and to me, it it all divides. You know, survival is masculine, strength is masculine, uh, saving the world is masculine, danger is masculine. Uh, And I talk about all these other things, but like everybody else, I lose focus and I come back to on the feminine and I come back to the masculine and you know everybody I listen to speaks in the masculine voice Uh, most of the people I listen to are men and the reality is is the masculine is a dominating energy uh, and way of being for those of us who are what I call wired for danger meaning that your primary response to something scary is to run into it and not away from it. But here is the irony of all, right? If you take a lot of the quote-unquote tough men and women that we seem to feel like are the hero types, the, the dangerous types, you try to get them involved in a feeling and they completely collapse, right? It becomes the end of the world and terrifying and will go to no lengths to avoid having a feeling much less talking about it and you know we've done a lot of demonizing a feeling and we talk about it as weakness and and many people who are very masculine danger push right Uh, danger is pushing towards danger push people often feel that feeling and emotion is weakness And most of that comes from cultural conditioning. And it has nothing to do with what's real. It has everything to do with how we are being conditioned 
culturally, right? And we grew up with a period of time not so long ago where, you know, children were meant to be seen and not heard. You know, boys don't cry and women don't go to war. And so all those things are kind of mixed up in the world today. And it's very complex. And women have really taken on a lot of the masculine energy for a whole lot of reasons. And men have now sort of become feminized for a whole lot of reasons. And so for those of us who aren't part of the push to be kind of woke and part of a world that we're not comfortable with, we look at that and it makes many of us just want to retreat back further, right? You don't dare want to say you have a feeling because then you're a snowflake and you don't want to be, uh, you know, talk about fighting because then that makes you a Nazi, right? And so we've, you know, we've gotten all screwed up in so much of what used to be just kind of normal observational ideas. But I think the one that has been most ripped apart and misunderstood and manipulated intentionally really is what I call the most dangerous thing that we can do is to understand what is love. Because we've been conditioned through our uh, stories, through media, through uh, religion, all these things, we've really been conditioned to think and feel love is something that I like to say is not. I believe that there's one thing that's more screwed up in this world. It's not evil. It's not danger. It's not survival. It's basic understanding of what love is. And the problem with what is love isn't the capacity to define it, but rather a lifetime or many of understanding what it is not. And the one thing that I think is the most difficult, and this is why I tend to stay away from it, is what happens between people is oftentimes the least loving that we name love. Sorry, Haven has just decided to lose her bone down the rabbit hole. Hang on. All right. I don't think I can go down and get it. So we'll see if she'll be quiet. So deep breath. And, you know, my experience, like many of you, you know, we grew up in families who, you know, we all say, I love you. But what does that mean? You know, sometimes it means abuse. Some means at times it's emotional, uh, you know, blackmail, uh, it's it's guilt it's all kinds of things and you know it's always like but I love you right (laughs) and so then we move into romantic relationships and I love you but the minute that first resentment comes up it completely falls apart and then we look at our children and we say I love you but all these things I don't like about you only we don't tend to separate behavior from person and so most kids walk away with the idea that there's something wrong with them not just a behavior and then you know we love our dogs and our cats because they don't tend to talk back or fight back or complain or doing those other things but we expect our animals to be perfect don't do this don't do that don't do this don't do that right we train them we condition them we control them to be non-living things we want them to perform in a way that we call love, but you have to do what I say, otherwise I'm going to get mad at you, or I'm going to discipline you, or I'm going to 
uh, punish you, right? Because I'm going to train you to be a specific way. And so we look to, well, maybe I can have friends, right? I can love my friends, but then that, you know, goes up ways and sideways all for all different reasons. So maybe I can love my job or my love my work, but usually that ends up in some kind of, you know, betrayal or misunderstanding or it's unfulfilling and so we go to religion well maybe we can find the love of God but if you're in a religion there's all kinds of rules and it's important to remember that your way is the right way and the only way and love only happens when you're perfect other than uh, you know a few exceptions and so we think well maybe that doesn't work so we go outside in the majesty of nature and we love until you know it's too cold right now it's windy and cold right oh And then we get sick, and then we get frustrated, and then we start to wonder, what is this life all about? And we've been told that love is important, but it never really seems to work out, and it never seems to be quite right. And for most people, not everybody, so this may not be you, but for most people, at some point, there's this terrible realization or thought or idea that love is not enough. And I remember having that myself when uh, a boyfriend I was involved with, who's, I always say, you know, he's probably the only one that ever loved me and I loved in a specific kind of way, uh, he killed himself. And I remember thinking, love is not enough. I had the first three days after I found out he died, and it had been weeks, like I knew something was wrong, I had this. Uh, really deep, 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 intense peace and quiet inside of me that was both love is all there is and love is not enough. And, of course, it doesn't last and real life takes over and you get on with the busyness and people come, people go, things happen, things change. And, And we don't think about love a whole lot and if you turn on the news and if you pay attention to current events there's nothing that's love in there at all there's just a lot of problems there's a lot of ways we think that we should solve those problems Uh, and now we're super focused on all the evil that's being done unto us if you loved us you would not do this and you know we're shocked to find out that the people we've put in power don't love us they're trying to kill us and all of this is this humongous complicated mixture of experience it's both individual and collective haven's super frustrated so there's a lot going on in the background here sorry her she's very you know dogs are simple i just love to be outside i just love to play Uh, you know she's aggravated but she's not over here cussing me out right as we would be or or holding uh, grievances or will be forever resentful you know we're just as humans we're incredibly complex when it comes to this idea of love and yet Somehow, somewhere, there's sort of this belief system that the truth about love is it's unconditional. But the reality of a human expressing unconditional love is, in my experience, completely absent. And I think one of the reasons we don't like to think about it and we don't like to talk about it is because we don't know what to do about it. Uh, you know, if you're like me, you just avoid it because it's easier because 
you know, if this is love, oftentimes, I don't need this. I'm just going to get out the way because it's not, doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel loving. It feels obligatory. It may be a loyalty issue. It may be a committed issue. I gave you my word, but it doesn't feel good. And love isn't about, you know, being happy and joyful and everything is perfect and I don't have to do anything. Uh, it's, it's the most understood idea I believe that we have on planet Earth as human beings. Now, nature's not confused. Animals aren't confused. The elements aren't confused. I think the only ones that are confused are those of us who are human and other uh, intelligent entity life forms or whatever that are out running around that maybe we do or don't have experience with. But as humans, we'll just talk about that since we're pretty much all that that are listening, I would assume, that we understand that love is something that we're supposed to want, we're supposed to have, and we're supposed to somehow automatically understand it. But I can't tell you any person that I've ever met or I've ever heard talk that I think really does. And I'm not saying I do. I'm just aware enough to understand a lot about what it is not. Now I have my theories, that's where I love to get into the abstractions of everything about what I think love actually is. Uh, in my world, it's point of view, it's, it's the power and the energy that holds the universe together. It's all that is that holds it all together. Uh, and that the modulator is strength. You know, love without strength just is formless it falls apart it's weak you know it doesn't know what to do with itself you can think about when you get all happy and blissed out and you just sit there and you're completely unmotivated to do anything and strength without love becomes psychopathy sadist torture horrible horrific things i was just on a string this weekend of being exposed to like these horrific things people have done to each other like who was the worst torturer to their people they were listing uh, what Ukrainians had done in World War II is the worst list of atrocities, and I'm reading it, and it's all disgusting and gross. Thank God there was no pictures. But I'm thinking about, uh, I also am reading a book about the buffalo, you know, stories about what natives did to other natives and I and white people, and I'm reading, uh, you know, when I read the Texas, it was talking about what natives did to each other and to white people, and I remember reading about what some of the African tribes did to each other that was just beyond horrific and what uh, Vlad the Impaler did which was beyond horrific and what we're seeing exposed right now being done with all the pedophilia to children it's just beyond horrific and we have all this incredible evil that's everywhere that could not be further from the truth about what love is which is my point it doesn't it could never exist in the presence of love and what is it about love that's so dangerous that we are willing to ignore it not talk about it not think about it uh, as long as we can deny the realities of the atrocities until it happens to us and we saw that this weekend with Elon Musk I didn't I can't make sense of the Twitter thing uh, but talking about now he's involved because he got personally injured but he didn't care until it happened to him. And that's sort of love without strength, right? Love without strength says, well, I don't really love you until 
it happened to me and now it happened to me and I can see how bad it is. And so now I'm more compassionate for you because this bad thing happened to me. And that's really sad, but that's pretty much the way most of us are. Or we're so fixated on saving everyone and everything, we do it at the sacrifice of ourselves. So I could talk forever, you know, from the beginning of the time till the end of it, how screwed up we are when we talk about love. And, you know, the message I got in my 20s was that, you know, my work was to talk about what I called at that point, you know, the empowered feminine, which was really what love is, not a romantic, not the domain of women, and not confined to personal relationships. But I've never really known what to do with it. And my experience is because everybody else still thinks about it in terms of relationships, it's almost impossible to have a discussion about it. And to be honest, it just wasn't fun. I didn't understand enough about the danger part. I didn't understand enough about why I was built the way I was. I only knew and still only know for myself, I have this overwhelming uh, feeling of love and connection with everything except uh, people individually. I can feel about I can feel it collectively, I can feel it about everyone and everything that's not directly in front of me because we we create such tiny little boxes for love. It has to be romantic, it has to be uh, directed at a child or an animal and now you know we're perverting innocence so we're not even able to love children without being accused of uh, being predatory with children because there's so many predators with children. So people who aren't are nervous and pulling back. And and that is all just so intentional. And there would be no room for evil to grow if we truly understood what love was and weren't afraid of it. And so I was trying to come up with the reason why I thought we're all afraid of love and we don't like to talk about it and we don't really think about it and we allow it to be confined and small and forgotten. And it's really the same reason why we don't want freedom. And to me, the combination of strength and love equals freedom. That's my formula. Uh, And I've always said the reason we don't want freedom is because it requires responsibility. And I think it's the same reason we don't want love is it requires absolute responsibility. That it's nobody's responsibility to to love you, to to take care of you, to see you, to hear you, to acknowledge you, to heal you, to save you. There is no lack, if you really dive into the spiritual stuff, other than what we believe we lack and then project out onto others. And we don't fill ourselves up because we're still looking for love as if it's somewhere or someplace else. And we're not responsible for that experience. And, you know, it's interesting they're coming up with social, the studies right now, they're saying that loneliness is the number one indicator of health problems above smoking or lack of exercise. And what is loneliness? But loneliness is this idea or this belief that we are unloved, we are unwanted, we are unneeded. Uh, And I think, you know, one of the hardest things for people to understand about the way I live in the world is that I don't isolate 
because I'm lonely or I don't like people or any of that kind of stuff. I isolate because it it increases my capacity and access to the love and the 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 magnificent energy of it that I can have that's not in the presence of others. And I have a really difficult time reeling myself in and dialing it back and trying to engage with people the way that we need to. And that then becomes uh, very dysregulated. It becomes, you know, short-tempered. It becomes all these other things. Uh, And I don't feel, you know, this overwhelming love all the time. A lot of times, you know, I'm in pain. I had that, uh, you know, Thursday and Friday, I was just so filled up the the positive love feeling was so strong it becomes painful I can't go to sleep you know it's just it's very uncomfortable and um, a couple of things happened and Saturday and Sunday I was on the complete opposite side of the spectrum because I had another migraine and I it was really really bad which means I get nauseous and I don't sleep and there wasn't an ounce of love in me anywhere. Uh, and I was really thinking about the push-pull model, pause model with pain and how hard it is to not push the pain away and being angry at the pain and uh, raging at the pain. And none of that makes it stop. And so I was practicing, uh, you know, kind of a pause or a letting go. And, you know, there would be some relief, but there's really just, for me, there's no way through it other than, you know, the 48 hours it usually takes to process it and now I feel better today and so the positive feelings are coming back and so it's not something that most of us will ever physically be able to hold on to if you really looked at it at a vibrational level uh, you know the closer to the vibration of God you get the more intense it feels but the physical body it can access that but it can't hold on to it because we would just disintegrate we are not physically capable of resonating at the God frequency or the love frequency constantly. We would just sort of disintegrate. And my experience is we just don't get anything done. And how, uh, you know, things like anger and frustration and uh, disappointment, those are real good sources of fuel to get stuff done. When I'm in a happy place, it feels really good, but I don't tend to get a whole lot done when I'm in my happy place, right? I like to be in my happy place, but I also recognize that if I stay there too long, nothing gets done. And I know for myself, and I know for many, about 75% of us are wired in such a way that we function better on negative energy. And I think, you know, when we can understand that, we don't have to be angry, upset, or depressed about it. We just have to understand that when we're in too much of a love frequency, we, we aren't getting stuff done. And, and this is a physical world that has physical requirements for survival. And certain things need to get done. And when they're scary things, like going to war or running into... Uh, a burning building, you know, when those of us who are wired to run into danger, we can't really be in our happy place because we're not laser focused. We're not at our best. You know, we're doing it from a place of love, but we can't stay there in the midst of the crisis itself. And then 
that big adrenaline that you have in that crisis crashes and then a lot of people get depressed well you don't care nobody appreciates me look at that I'm all alone I did this fabulous thing for you and now you've forgotten me Uh, and that isn't true that's part of the energetic cycle of this process that we are as human it's not the love or the hate or the rage or the despair itself it's just really part of this physiological process that we're experiencing that we don't understand and so we call it a feeling or an energy of emotion we name it and we have a belief about it and therefore we have to fix it instead of really understanding it more for what it is and I think the most important part of this conversation is why we are pushing so hard against love and that is I believe because we just don't understand it for many of the reasons I just talked about but the biggest issue is is if we're not embracing it and we're not engaging it and we're not owning it what we're seeing is this amazing amount of evil that's taking over and the darkness that's descended. Uh, And now, oh, wait, it's happening to me. Now maybe I'm ready to wake up and fight back, you know, is what's happening for some people. Uh, And then there's people on the front lines who've been doing it for decades. They may spend their whole life doing it because they need that mission. That's just how they're wired, and that's who, you know, I really best understand are are those of us who just keep pushing but the more we push oftentimes the further away from that energy of love that we get without that space like I have to have in nature that allows it to fill me back up that I can re-engage with it Uh, and I just can't get it in the presence of other humans because it's so screwed up for us all it's extremely difficult and that is why I think it's so important to talk about and why I don't like talking about it because I don't have a good answer and I certainly don't have an answer that anybody wants to hear I mean one of the reasons I left social work and I don't like therapy is that the answer to every problem is really personal responsibility it doesn't mean that we don't help each other out it means that uh, if we're not looking in the mirror we're never going to make any progress and everything that's about all the yelling right now oh you know the people in charge and this organization and that group and this guy all these things that everybody are doing to us because we're victims that's the absence of responsibility nobody's doing anything to us we've allowed it because we're not paying attention right we didn't pay attention you know I felt that way when I lost my house it wasn't somebody did it to me I wasn't paying attention I did not choose to understand money I did not aware of what was going on in the world and I was swept up not because anybody did anything to me or because I was a victim because I wasn't paying attention and you know I made the decision right or wrong uh, I would never have anything I just didn't own and I couldn't pay for because then you can't ever take it from me again now I don't know that that's the best way to move forward but that was my uh, you know whiplash response was to play the game and be in debt but to have all the car and the 401k and all the house and all that kind of stuff to lose everything you know I'm like screw that I'm gonna own it and therefore you can't take it from me so I chose that 
to be responsible, again, don't know if that was the best way forward. I think there's some problems with that. But just saying that it's this idea that somehow we're not responsible uh, and we can be victims. And you cannot be a victim and to know love. You cannot be a perpetrator and know love. And the hero is desperately trying to make it all okay for all of us. But it isn't about somebody coming in and saving us. It's about us understanding what love is. And this life is the experience of trying to understand that. And it's really not going very well. I think, you know, for me, one of the the kickers was, uh, you know, I've just really been interested in Martin Armstrong's approach to economics and listening to him a little bit more because it's just so out of line with the party line. And he said something which I don't understand money. I just really... You know, I don't have any, so I'm not invested in the, the big ideas. Obviously, I'm not investing in anything. And um, he was talking about, well, he would do with America what he would do with the corporation. And I don't understand the, all the complexities of this. But he basically, he said, well, you would just issue uh, vouchers for bonds. The bonds would become reinvested in infrastructure in America and then we would have this huge wave of prosperity and I'm like what right because everybody is screaming the dollar's dying it's the end of the world we're going into debt there's total impoverishment Uh, and here's this guy that's the number one money guy for the world basically all the big money people of the world go to him and he's saying no it doesn't have to be there is a solution and that just sort of solidified for me this idea that it's never about what the solution is. We're chasing, right, this idea that we believe is a solution that will solve a problem that's usually somebody else has to take care of so I don't have to be responsible. And then everything's okay and I go back to normal and I can just, uh, you know, hang out and have my life. I don't have to think about big things. I don't have to know about what's going on out in the world. I don't have to be responsible. I don't have to show up at the parent meeting at school and find out what they're actually teaching my kids because everybody will just do the right thing, right? And it will be no problem. And that's just not true because love is responsibility. It's responsibility for ourselves, and it's responsibility for those children and animals and uh, institutions and experiences and, and whatever that we take responsibility for. You know, love is making sure the dog gets what it needs, the child gets what it needs, not saying, I love you, you're free, go fend for yourself, right? And then at a certain point, when your children grow up, love is letting them go to create their own families and make their own mistakes. And where I'm going with this is I'm listening to him going, you know, there's always a way out. None of this needs to be. There's enough food. There's enough space. There's enough of everything for every single human being on this planet to have what they need. Not to be fabulously rich, but there's enough for everybody to have everything that they need and to be healthy and happy and content. And why exactly don't we have that? Right? Why do we have such a cluster of a world that we've allowed it to really get to this point that everything is going to break down and we're going to have to start over. And do we really think if we push forward with the same beliefs, the same ideas, and the same practices, this time we'll get it right? Because that's what evil says, right? Marxism, communism, uh, dictatorship, control, all those isms keep saying if you just have enough control, we'll have a perfect world. 
but the opposite is no more true. If you have no control, you'll have you will not have a perfect world. It takes this dance of responsibility in which everybody has to be paying attention and to do their part. But that's not the way it works. If you loved me, you would just, right? I mean, that's sort of the battle cry of the heart to everything to God. If God loved me, he would heal me. Uh, If my spouse loved me, they would pay more attention to me. If my job loved me, they would pay me what I'm worth. If my government loved me, they wouldn't be trying to kill me, right? If you loved me, we wouldn't be having any of these problems. And that's the complete opposite of what love is. It's not out there someplace. It's in us. And the question that's so dangerous about love is what is wrong with us that we don't want to be responsible in that way. And I'm not saying, you know, it's a flip you switch, a switch you flip and everything is okay. I don't personally believe that we get everything worked out in the world. I personally believe that the world is where we're meant to fail and want to leave, right? The prodigal son does not go home to their human dad on their human farm, but to their spiritual father and mother in their spiritual home. You cannot have a perfect world because we are filled with imperfect people trying to figure all this stuff out. But we're just asking the wrong questions. And the only thing that I see is the common theme, no matter what you're talking about with the big abstractions, is it always comes to responsibility. And there's nothing that makes the lights go out faster in somebody when you're having a conversation is when you start talking about personal responsibility. Because then there's nobody's left to blame. You can't be a victim. And you can take all the responsibility in the world. You can have all the love in the world. And there's still going to be fire and floods and cold and periods of famine. Uh, I'm reading, like I said, I'm reading about the buffalo right now. (laughs) It's like they seem to get some kind of special prize as an animal for killing themselves they just they drown they fall it's not even getting chased off cliffs they fall off cliffs they have this history of just wiping themselves out over and over and over again in vast numbers and nobody's doing anything to them and they're not stupid or evil or bad or useless or dumb it's just part of the animal experience on planet earth is that they die in different kinds of ways and you just can't protect them in a way that you can't protect all humans and all animals and the entire environment and everything and everyone so we all have this tiny perfect controlled life where there's no discomfort and we're all safe right the filters that we all focus on safety and comfort And then we don't have to think anymore. We can just flip that switch off and go about and do what we want. Food magically shows up. The lights magically turn on. And we have no responsibility because everything just is the way it's supposed to be. And I don't say this like it's just, okay, well, now you can just go run out and take care of it. It never gets fixed. It never resolves. The issue is not what is the answer to the question of how do we make the world heaven on earth It just never will be. It might be better at periods of time, and it might be worse at periods of time. Uh, I was listening to a long-term study on men from Harvard and uh, men from kind of broken homes that was started in the 
Um, I think it was started in the 30s or 40s. I can't remember. But they followed them for their entire life. So it's one of those few long-term studies about what is happiness. And, you know, I think they're in their 80s or 90s now. And I thought, but that doesn't apply to us now because they had a period of time that had room to have that kind of experience. We're currently moving into a way of being in the world that doesn't have anything to do with things being calm on the outside. Uh, It doesn't matter, uh, you know, the bottom line of the long-term study was that relationships were the key to being happy over the course of a lifetime and being willing to deal with the conflict within a relationship and not get, you know, uh, overwhelmed, but diving in and looking at it. And and I'm thinking, well, that doesn't work right now. Because number one, relationships aren't enough if you don't have enough to eat, right? You can have all the love and all the people in the world that you want. And that just means there's more mouths to feed. So we're moving into a period of time where it's an entirely different process that we'll be experiencing over the course of our life. Uh, and there will be no one studying us asking, well, were you happy in the middle of the war? Were you happy in the famine, right? Were you happy uh, when people were dying? I mean, you just, you know, in the Black Plague, were you happy? But the Black Plague, that huge period of time where so many people died, gave birth to the Renaissance. And there was lots of people that were happy in the Renaissance because the old rules got thrown out. That was the beginning of the middle class. That was the moment when we transferred into another age and way of being that created so much of the good that we're at the end of in this form. And for those of us who are going to be moving into the next version, we'll get to decide how we want to build what our future will be. But the only question that I'm really asking you is what will you build with? Love or fear, hate? You know, every little negative energy that goes under that uh, prejudice and, uh, you know, I don't know what the words are, but but you know what I mean. Like all the reasons that we condemn and persecute and hate and judge and push away because we're judging the other, right? For all the things that are wrong with you, you're not allowed into my space. I can't love you. Uh, that creates the problems that sort of give birth to all the issues that we're looking at right now. And so, you know, I don't say all this to tell you that there's just one simple answer to all of this. There really isn't because we come back to that thing that everybody, including myself, hate is responsibility because there's no perfect solution for responsibility either that is the equivalent of a comfortable, safe, perfect life where nothing bad ever happens. And that we're not exposed to bad things happening to other people. And now we have to make a decision. Do we want to get involved or do we want to just hide out and pretend like bad things aren't happening? Oh, but wait, now they're happening inside my house. So now do I want to get involved? And it's a cycle that repeats itself over and over and over again. So it isn't a simple idea. There's no simple solution. And that's sort of the point. If it was easy and simple, we'd have all done it a long time ago. The idea is simple. Love is the opposite of fear, right? Love is the opposite of hate. Okay, well, that's easy. I'll just do that until, right, somebody does something to you that you don't like, 
But we say, I can't love you anymore because you said this thing, you did this thing, you became this thing. Uh, right now, you know, in a micro example, uh, I showed you that art installation, right? And what's been going on the last week is all these people keep parking right on top of it. And there was a, a an RV trailer that was literally on top of it. I think they put their awning out and it covered part of the art installation. And I'm looking over there going, what is wrong with you people, right? Here is something that is for the benefit of all. And somebody just drives up and decides they're going to pretty much take ownership because it's uncomfortable to go look at it when you're basically, you know, standing one foot away from somebody's home, right? It just feels weird. And so it really created a situation where nobody could go look at it, where when it's out in the open, uh, you know, people are walking up to it all day long. And so those people finally left. And I walked over there as another lady pulled up and parked her ass right on top of it. Uh, and they had produced an additional piece of art. And I thought, well, that's really nice. But you didn't have to park right on top of it. And the reason I bring that up is because it doesn't matter what makes sense, right? There's always going to be other people who don't think the way you do. They don't feel the way you do. They don't believe the way you do. It will never be a homogenous, unified version of the world in which we all just perfectly get along. I mean, we really have to let that go. Uh, in the same way, you know, 20 years ago, I'd have probably gone over there and stomped my feet and shot dirty looks and made some snide remarks, letting them know that I was judging them and that they were wrong and I was right. Now, I won't say I didn't still have those thoughts. And honestly, they got triggered by a blog post I'd seen from somebody else saying, this idiot is parked right on top of this uh, landmark and making it difficult for anybody else to see it. And since then... Uh, you know, I, I accidentally parked next to a spiral and I thought, well, this is, you know, I'm doing this and there's another landmark out here somebody else parked right on top of. So you didn't want to walk up and look at it. So I'm just sort of seeing it as this ongoing theme that, that people have the I'm special uh, thing going on. Well, I get to park right next to it, but they're excluding it from everybody else. I have no idea if that thought even crossed their mind. Like, well, maybe if I'm parked on top of this, nobody else wants to come and look at it, right? Because in their mind, they're doing a fabulous thing, maybe. They're adding to the to the convergence, right? They're creating more art to be part of this bigger project. I don't know. But the point being is that there's never going to be a moment where we're all going to be acting, believing, behaving, having, getting, etc. in a way that everyone can just relax and say, oh, I love you. That's just never going to happen. There's going to be no shortage of I hate you, right? I think you're wrong and I want to kill you and all this other stuff that goes on. No shortage of that. But there will be no period of time ever in this world where everyone will be perfect and you will be able to relax and just say, I unconditionally love you. And that's the challenge. And that's why we don't like to talk about it because there's no easy path forward and it becomes dangerous because it's also the solution to what comes forward because everything we need exists in this world right now so that everybody could be comfortable and safe and we don't ask ourselves why aren't we doing that wouldn't love do that and I think it would 
So I think that I, you know, that's just sort of my rabbit hole that I wanted to share with you today. Uh, again, I don't know what to do with that because it's certainly not a conversation people really want to have. They just like the idea of love as something mushy that feels good. And I see it as quite the opposite. It's the hardest thing you will ever have to do. And you don't have to if you don't want to. It's a voluntary option. It's not imposed on you. And it's extremely difficult to maintain, especially in a world where the deep, dark, horrible secrets are being revealed. So uh, I'm going to leave it with that. I can feel myself getting a little hoarse. And I hope this one turns out okay. Like I said, everything's new on this uh, software, so I hope it records and doesn't disappear when I hit stop. So... (laughs) Uh, So if this is your first time, I want to say thank you for joining. I hope you'll sign up for at least a free subscription. If you've been here a while and you actually like it, I would love for you to join us so that you can be part of this conversation in our comment section, especially when we do little special get-to-know-you sessions. So with that, my friends, deep breath, and I will see you next time.